street gospel, light of the temple, short swing killer live from the ghetto, the hood messenger, let them know hell's close, black burial, the devil in a black cloak, street gospel, light of the temple, short swing killer live from the ghetto, the hood messenger, let them know hell's close, black burial, the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One. And this is episode number... I think this is episode number 36. If you're wondering where my sidekick is, Cam. Once again, Cam missed his podcast. He had to work today, so kind of couldn't change up his schedule. So he got to make that money with the holidays coming up. He's got to buy his dad a present. So uh, And his mom, of course, and his sister. But uh, he couldn't make it today. But we're going to just uh, do this without him once again. It's kind of rough. It's not as easy uh, without him because he is the videographer. Uh, make sure that everything's on point for me. Today, he had to leave to work. Um, he did make sure everything was on point, so we're ready to go. But uh, before we get started, I have a sponsor today of this episode. And the sponsor of this episode today is Hope and Promises. They are a new nonprofit humanitarian outreach organization. And basically what they do is they provide essential needs to people that need things. Food, uh, they provide uh, clothing, uh, medical, so they go out of their way. Now, this is not just a domestic organization. This is an, an international organization. They just got back from the Honduras. They've been to Mexico. They've been to El Salvador. Uh, they provide a lot of uh, hope and they provide a lot of promise to people that are affected, you know, by different things, natural disasters, man-made disasters. Uh, if you remember, uh, one of our episodes was with uh, attorney Art Pena. Uh, he is my brother-in-law. If you haven't figured that out already, I know we didn't talk about that on the podcast, but this is his organization. Uh, so if you want to check them out, you want to support them, you want to become a part of their organization, you can go to www dot hope and promises.com very good organization but now we're going to get to the meat of the podcast today so you know me i always got to play a little bit of music to introduce my guests so uh you know i play a little bit of music you know it's always a a nice little beat that i like to put on so this guy right here i don't know him personally first time we met was today uh, we did talk on the phone and had a really great conversation. I think we're pretty much on the same page on a lot of things. Um, I was introduced to him by my pastor, Adam Friedrich. Uh, he said, hey, I think you should have this guy on your podcast, man. He's really interesting. He's part of a great ministry. Got a great story. Uh, I began to research the guy, started following him, and uh, we just happened to hook up. We'll get a little bit into that. He's a speaker. A minister, a teacher, a businessman, a writer. I mean, um, once again, I get these guys that just do it all, man. It's, just, it's really unfair to me, man, because I only do a few things good. <laughs> but uh, I want to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Corey Nichols. It's an honor to be on your show. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going really good, man. I'm glad to, uh, to have you on the show. Well, it's, first of all, it's good to see you in person. We've right. been able to connect a little bit over the phone, and I love your heart, your spirit, the Thanks, thing that man. you're you're Appreciate doing, that. and you're stepping out and doing something amazing. So, 
I love meeting inspiring people, and what an honor to actually be on your podcast. I appreciate you coming out. Now, you are from SoCal. Uh, but origi- now, originally, originally right? from well, originally from Indiana, from and Indiana. I've lived in SoCal. Okay, so you lived in SoCal, mm-hmm. and now you're in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. So you went from like Midwest to the uh, to the West Coast, and then down South. Now that's correct. That's that's pretty good mix right there, man. All you need is some East Coast, and then you got it. You covered all your bases. That's there. that's right. It it has been quite the journey of traveling around the country. I mean, big difference. Georgia, Kelly, oh, right? Oh, yeah. It, a very big difference. I mean, when a lot of people travel, they, they, they go to these places and, and, they, and they think everywhere is like they, where they live, right? And then you get outside of your environment. Uh, it's different. You know, a lot of those places, they're a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one thing's for sure. Georgia is cheaper living yeah, than uh, Southern California. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree with that. I, I don't even have to think about that. I, I know it's probably way cheaper. I, I always say this, you know, there's there's a couple of things. I, I'm a big city type guy. Uh, I, I love going to New York. And it's funny to share this short little story with you. I love going to New York because uh, in New York, people don't care. They are rude. They are mean. But I like the fact that nobody takes anything personal. Mm-hmm. If you bump into somebody in New York, if you honk your horn at somebody in New York, I mean, I'm not a bit, I don't flip people off, but you can get away with flipping people off in New York. If you do that in Kelly, you're asking for a fight, <laughs> basically, right? Right, right. I, I can only imagine down south, they're probably like, hey, what's your problem, man? It's everything okay? You know, <laughs> right. there, there is southern hospitality. Right. And, and I, I love that. There, There's... People are, are generally pretty nice. Uh, but actually, I've loved every area I've lived. That's There's cool. been amazing things. You can't beat the weather in SoCal. Right. The mountains, the beach, the ocean. The ocean, yeah. Palm trees. I I love that. There's no bugs. Georgia has bugs. Oh, see. I mean, big bugs. See, my wife hates bugs, man. <laughs> she, that's, that's her thing. She's just like... Uh, no bugs, and and she, if we go somewhere, the first thing she's looking up is how big are the bugs, or what kind of bugs do they have. So oh. that 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 wouldn't fly. That's she's not a big nature person. So I, I like to get out once in a while. I'm not a big nature person, but I, I I enjoy it. I appreciate it. Her, it's it's there's a fine line. She'll go to the <laughs> beach, but when we start headed to the mountains, it's a whole different story, man. I, I hear that. I I love nature. I love, but I love big cities. I, I live in Atlanta. I live downtown. Oh, so okay, I, cool. I love right in the heart of the city. Nice. I love the urban feel. Yeah. So when you mention New York City, I'm like, I, I'm down with that. Yeah. In New York's just great. I, I, I love big cities. It's kind of, it's it's very interesting. And the people, you know, you, you go to these big cities and it's just different lifestyle. You get to see how they live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm very uh, intrigued by, by that. So might sound a little corny, but it, it, it's true. That's who I am. But uh so we got introduced, I mentioned this in the intro, um, through Pastor Adam. You know, uh, I started going to Pastor Adam's church. I knew Pastor Adam my whole life. I mean, we, we grew up together pretty much. Just recently, we, we transitioned to his church. Uh, I stopped by one day, and uh, I was just like, I, for some reason, I was like, man, I, I, sh- I, I, need, I need some gas. And, uh, you know, th- that's the hard part, you know, of, of having the podcast. You're trying to... Find a guest or book a guest or, you know, interesting people, whatever it may be. And so uh, 
I go by the church and, and I'm talking to him and we're talking about something totally different. And I said, hey, if you know anybody uh, that might be interested or, or interesting to be on the podcast, let me know. And he goes, hey, I do know somebody. I do know somebody. This guy named Corey Nichols. <laughs> he, you know, he, he doesn't live here anymore. Um, but uh, I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but he'd be really interesting. We, we did some some work with them, uh, his organization, and uh, really great guy. You should have him on. So I said, okay. So he's, he sends me the, the, the link to your Instagram page. I'm, I'm looking through it. I'm creeping on your page. And then uh, he sends me your number. And, and, and I just thought, you know, um, what you were doing was great, you know. And so we that's how we get connected. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like you said, we... We don't know each other, but we know each other, right? Mm-hmm. You, over over Instagram. I mean, that's 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 the way we live now. <laughs> it it really is. It's amazing how much you can find out about a person. Yeah. By stalking them on right. social media and and whatnot. So, yeah, it's it's a great to be here. I, I consider it a huge honor. Nice man. So so where does Corey's story begin? I mean, obviously you said in, you you grew up in Indiana. Um, where does it begin, man? There. So I, I actually grew up with starting out with three brothers and a great Christian family. But when I turned roughly an adolescent, 16 years old, my parents went through a really difficult divorce. I always thought my family would grow up together, be an amazing experience. But that came crashing down one day. Surprise? I mean, completely Just totally surprised. Out of the blue. Complete surprise. And the. Our family was literally ripped apart. I remember the day my dad walked out of our home, left our home, and I remember weeping as a young adolescent. Dad, don't leave. Don't like I love you. Don't I don't understand this. Don't 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 tear our family apart. And you know, I didn't know all the inner workings of divorce and all that. All I knew is my dad was moving out of the house. And the very week he moved out. Um, there was somebody that came over to comfort our family and I woke up to this person sexually molesting me in the middle of the night. And so when you're in sometimes in a very difficult situation, instead of getting helps, people can take advantage of that situation. They can exploit you. Yeah. And so I, as a young person, that that's a lot to take in. Did you know this person? I didn't know this person. Wow. And so it was, they must've been trusted if they, they were trusted. It was a trusted situation. And, so it was it was challenging, and I didn't know how to deal with all of that. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, God, I was your child. How could you let this great evil happen to me? I mean, and, I mean, in in a span of one week, mm-hmm. right? Is that so? Y- y- yeah. Your dad leaves, yep. and then this yep. other person comes, yep. and this happens to you. So I had a it's lot of heavy. anger and bitterness, and I carried that into college. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with my dad. I didn't want anything to do with, um, I, I just was angry, angry Christian, but had all this stuff going on, on the inside that I didn't know really how, how it affected me in such a negative way. And then, but in college, God started getting a hold of my life. And I remember saying, God, I want to surrender my life to you. And I went through this really difficult trial to where I sought God with all of my heart. And at the tail end of that, I learned how to walk with the Holy Spirit. And he was in, I'm in relationship with God. That's what he wants. He wants a deep abiding relationship. And in this relationship, he started pinpointing areas of my life that were in a negative situation. I mean, just 
um, that needed healed, that needed wholeness. Um, and one of them was my relationship with my dad. He, one day I was going home. Did you blame your dad for, for the for the molestation? I did. Kind of? I did. Yeah, I mean. I did. I, I was, you know, I know it wasn't his direct, but I was angry. Because you was, felt like it was a result of It was a result him, of. It was leaving. a result of the whole thing. And so um, I actually cast the blame on both my parents. Um, and I was I was angry. And I was going home. Let, let, let me, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, let no, me no. ask you about the anger. Because yep. I, I think, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And uh, one, one of my best friends, Phil, and we were talking about being angry at God at God or the situation. And as believers and growing up in church, you think like that's taboo. Like you, mm-hmm. you can't be right. angry. at The right. funny thing about that is this God knows you're angry at him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, totally. whether you tell him or not, he's, he knows you're angry at him. Right. And I think like a lot of Christians get, get even more messed up to think like, well, I can't be angry at God or right. the situation that right. I feel like, he didn't save or he didn't right. correct or he didn't make right uh, or loud. Sometimes we think that, right? I, I think that anger is like, as a believer, we kind of just think like, we can't think like that, but God he knows. He can take it. And he, and he, and yeah. And he, he wants exactly, you to come to him with exactly. honesty, with an open heart and say, God, I don't understand. This is really angry. I'm having a hard time trusting you in this. Right. So I, that's where I was. I was in a ditch. I was angry and I was, I was stuck. And, and, and I was just stuck in life. And I don't know how, and I believe there's a lot of Christians there. Yeah. They're going through the motions. They go to church, but they're not truly living. Right. That's where I was. But I, I wouldn't have known that until I knew there was more. See, God has to, he has to open your eyes before you can truly see the condition of your heart, mm. the condition that you're at. And he wants to set us free so that we can experience the true freedom that he died to give us. And so one of those things, I was angry with my dad and I was going home to my younger brother's choir performance. He was still in high school at this time. Both my parents are remarried. And I was thinking just no matter which set of parents you sat with, it was always drama and pressure from us kids. That Pulling just, you? Yeah, the tug of war between yeah. who you're going to, what set of parents you're going to sit with. And I'll never forget this. God spoke to me deep on the inside of my heart. It was like an impression. Corey, I've forgiven your dad and I want you to. Oh. And I knew that wasn't me. And all of a sudden this <laughs> wrestling match on the inside like went off. And it was like for the rest of the ride back to my hometown to where the choir performance was, this wrestling match went on on the inside of me. And I remember. How long was that? It was it was a three and a half hour drive. But the, the, uh, the, the from when you first started getting angry with your with your family yeah. with your parents and it was 16 and i was around 20 years old okay so that was a, that was it a was. good span it was and so i always stiffed on my dad i kept him at a distance people said he lost his salvation uh, i mean all i mean you heard everything under the book sure but god spoke to me and said i've forgiven your dad and i want you to and i knew it was god and i knew it wasn't me and so i always said okay god if you have forgiven how can i hold this against him any longer and in that moment i let it go and this massive weight like literally this weight lifted off of me and i actually saw other hurting people in the world other than me Oof. i thought i was the only one because i was so deep in my own mess i couldn't look up to see other hurting people and and so when i finally let go i literally that night 
I embraced my dad, my stepmom, and literally 180 degree turn overnight. And they were like, who are you and what'd you do at Corey? <laughs> this is like so foreign, but they saw it was a radical, genuine thing. And that's what happens when Christ enters the equation. Mm. He brings lasting healing, wholeness. He, he helps you see from a correct vantage point of what he's done for us. So how can we hold others to a standard we ourselves can't keep? Th- that's so uh, profound. You know, I, I, I had... Uh... Our last podcast, we had it with a buddy of mine, Trino. He he forgave the guy who murdered his brother. Wow. And he said, you know, it, it wasn't about the guy mm-hmm. when it came down to him forgiving. It was about me. Mm-hmm. And how God just like chipped away at yes. him so much to, to, the, to the point where he's just like, I just forgave him. And it wasn't easy and it was a process. But when I forgave him... It was about the forgiveness and the forgiveness was because God kept reminding me that he forgave me. Amen. It's true. And, and so then God began to deal with me about my abuser. Corey, I want you to forgive. (laughs) Isn't it weird how God works like that? He does little bit. It's, 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 you're on a journey with him. Like, okay, I forgave my dad. I was like, hold on. That's going too far now. Yeah, Hold on. And, and so. I was like, okay, God, I know the power of forgiveness now. And I know the depth of my own sinfulness. I can't, like, see, forgiveness is a lot like you drinking poison, but expecting the other person to die. It actually affects us in a negative way. It taints our spirits. It it taints our ability to look from a, a correct perspective in the world, the way God sees it, and the way God views and values other people. And so at the cross, what Christ has done for us is something we could never pay back. And when we come to the understanding of the the depth of our own sinfulness and brokenness, we can begin to extend mercy to those that don't deserve it. And so that's where I was. And in so I'd forgiven, but I then began this wrestling match. God, I was your child. So I remember I was 20 years old, 16 years old abuse, 20 years old. God's really doing a work in my heart. I was your child. How could you let this horrible thing happen to me? I'll never forget. God showed me, brought to remembrance this story in the Bible. It's the story of Joseph. Joseph had a dream from God. God gave him a divine dream. And then his brothers were jealous of him, sold him into slavery, threw him into a pit. We're going to kill him. Then they sold him to Ishmaelites that then sold him to Egypt under Potiphar's house. And the Bible says that God was with him. He didn't prevent the evil from happening to him. But he was with him in the valley, in the storm. He was wrongly accused of rape, raping Potiphar's wife. So he threw him into prison. But the Bible said again, he was with Joseph. And ultimately, God raised Joseph up. But he didn't raise him up until his character had developed. Because when Joseph was raised up into second in command of all of Egypt, the prime minister of Egypt, he was in a powerful place to get even with his brothers. But he didn't get even. He helped them. He used the pain to help instead of hurt. And that's a huge, that's a huge difference. And so God was saying to me, Corey, if you will trust me and let go of the bitterness, I will make great good out of this in your life one day. You got to trust me. 13 years go by. 13 years. And at this point, I'm a writer. I'm a writer for a Christian newspaper company. 
And I had just literally lost everything to my name in the 2008 economy collapse. So that's a, we can get into that in a minute. But at this point, I'm a writer. And I've been writing for about a year for this, this newspaper company. And I came across the work of this incredible organization called Destiny Rescue. And they were fighting to rescue children trapped in the commercial sex industry to rescue them and give them back their life and wow. their dignity. And, um, and so long story short, I went overseas to interview the founder and look at their work to write a favorable article through the newspaper that I wrote for. It had about 250,000 people that would, that read it every month. And so I had a pretty decent size audience. And I said, I want to write an article. So I went overseas, interviewed the founder and halfway through the trip, he approached me and said, are writers leaving the organization? What would you think about coming on staff and writing for us? You'll have to move to Thailand. So in great faith, <laughs> I said, no, I'm like, at this point, I'm a writer. I'm speaking at my parent, my dad, my dad and stepmom's church. So I have this, um, there's no way that this opportunity fits inside of what I'm already doing. So I said, in my heart, I said, no, um, came back to the States. I couldn't sleep for two weeks and God just kept taking out my heart. Corey, I want you to say yes. Mm. I've been working behind the scenes in your life for 13 years. and I'm out to make good on that promise. I made to you 13 years earlier, say yes. And so I said yes, and that was 10 years ago. Um, Do you think we have a hard time accepting those hardships, trials, tribulations? I mean, even, even I mean, yours were pretty heavy. But sometimes there's some things that we, we go through and, and, and as, as believers, and it's hard to accept them. And God's like, relax. I, I have a promise for you. It, it, this is not good. You know, I, I think as believers, we sometimes think this shouldn't happen to me. Why is this happening to me? But yep. instead of asking the why, asking the what happens now. Yeah. What can I learn? I, I look at the greatest lessons I ever learned about God were in the valleys. They weren't mountaintop experiences. It's when the poo hits the fan. Yeah. It's in the manure of life. Unfair treatment, unjust things happen. It's like maybe even our own personal failures. We deliberately did something wrong. It's in those moments of brokenness and you have, there's no way you can put your life back together again. This, this is too great. Right. It becomes fertilizer. Manure becomes fertilizer. That growth can truly Good. happen. It's, it's, there's things that you learn in suffering. You could never learn in great times. Right. It teaches dependency on God. It teaches you that, that okay, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust by faith that you have a good plan. I love the scripture. I think it's Romans 8, 28, and God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Not just the good things, not right. just the things we would sign up for. It's the things we wouldn't sign up for. <laughs> and those become amazing training Experiences that are stepping stones to our destiny and future. So good. So go ahead. I I, I, I love this saying, and it, it's it, it's so true. The mountaintop is where we go to meet God, mm -hmm. but it's in the valley where God comes to meet us. That's so good, right? That's good. I Dave. mean, that's that's I love that. And I and I, when I'm around in the valley, I think about that that quote, and it's like, okay, Lord, you got to come and meet me. It's easy to. It's easy when things are going good, 
I'm going to go talk to God in the, on, on the top of the mountain. Feels good. I can see everything. The, the, the smell of the air is just great. The trees, God's beauty, this nature. I'm just like loving it. Come down off the hill and we come back to the city <laughs> and the valley and it's, it's bad. It's like, Lord, where are you at? And, and that's where he comes to meet us. He does. You know, I, I, I'm reminded, I'm going to share. I had, in 2008, I went through a, a financial collapse. See, I was always good with my money. I was college educated. I, I had renters that rented rooms from me in my house. And, but there was also a spiritual pride there, a spiritual arrogance and so God allowed me to go through this financial collapse I couldn't get out of. What do you mean by arrogance? So I'll tell you. All right. So I always thought if you're, if you're struggling financially, work harder. Just go get a job at McDonald's. Lazy bum. You, I had all the answers for everyone that struggled financially. There was no compassion, empathy. There was no understanding that it could have been a health crisis that they went through, that they've lost everything. It was, I had all the answers. I had it all figured out and I had the solution for what they, what they need to do next. There was zero compassion. It was a critical spirit. And so God was like, Corey, where I'm taking you, I can't use you with that in your heart. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to. I'm going to allow you to walk through something you would never sign up for, a financial collapse. I had to declare bankruptcy. I remember the day. So I I, I worked in the working world. I had a degree in landscape architecture, um, a land planning firm. It was an amazing experience. Had a nice house, a nice little sports car, doing all the right things, tithing with my money, good with my finances. And then the 2008 economy collapse happened and our industry was destroyed. Wow. Um we had three offices around the country. They all, two of them folded and we started getting pay cuts, pay cuts, then layoffs. And eventually my number was called. I couldn't find work coast to coast in my field. And so it was a very specialized field. So I, when I, when it was all said and done, I had to find a job in something else. And I made half what I used to make. I couldn't sell my home. It depreciated a third in value, literally almost overnight. Couldn't sell it. It was upside down. I was in the perfect storm with my car. I couldn't sell my car. I had two accidents within a month, within a month, and they hadn't even repaired the first one yet. Wow. So together, it it com- the combined total was greater than the value of what my car was worth. But because they were separate accidents, they wouldn't do it. So they wouldn't they wouldn't total my vehicle, oh. and so I couldn't sell it. Uh, one of the accidents, the airbags were deployed. So God was zeroing in. I tried to talk to financial people, Corey, you need to get rid of this, this. And no matter what I did, it ju- I just couldn't get out of it. And so eventually I had to declare bankruptcy. And I remember the day putting all of my furniture out of my driveway at a very short window of time uh, to, to, to be out of my house, couldn't sell the stuff. So I just had to give it away. And I moved home to my dad and stepmom's basement for the first time in 11 years. And I was in that basement for two years without a vehicle rebounding financially. And in that rock bottom moment, I literally was stripped of everything. And in that moment, God again spoke to me and said, Corey, I want you to set captives free. I'm like, what does that even mean? I'm broke. I have nothing to my name. I, need, I have nothing I need, to I need offer somebody you. somebody set me free. <laughs> I, I, I have nothing. Right. And he's like, Corey, I don't need anything from you. I want you. 
I own everything. There's nothing I can't do. I'm looking for somebody who's willing and available to go wherever I want, whenever I want, and however I want. Are you willing? And I said, God, whatever that means, it's yes. I'm so done doing things my way. And so that's how I I, I became a writer. So within, um, I was sharing with a friend of mine. God, I really feel spoke to me to set captives free. I don't even really know what that means. She goes, well, you have a really interesting story. What would you think about starting a blog and and just sharing out of your your own story from brokenness to wholeness? I go, what do I have to lose? So within two, two months of me launching it, the largest Christian newspaper at the time contacted me. They said, we found your blog. We love how you wow. write. What would you think about writing for us? And that began a published writing career for me. Were, were you already into writing? No, was this part no, of your... I ran from writing in college. I had wow. two professors say, I don't write um, uh, educated enough. Like it, it's not it's not at a college level writing. So that those lies stuck in my brain. But when God started um, wanting me to write, he brought to remembrance that I won a writing award in fifth grade. He said, I put that seed in you. Wow. The devil's trying to keep you from stepping into it. So he's going to bring people across your path to discourage you. But I want you to know I put this in you and I want you to fan it into flames. And so through that writing experience, uh, I started getting really neat opportunities. Um, and people were writing in saying the, the, the articles and the things that you're writing is touching my life and helping transform it. And it's so just motivating it, you more. It, it did. It really did. And so that was a seed. So at, while writing for this Christian newspaper company, I came across the work of Destiny Rescue. Eventually, I said yes, and I moved to Thailand to become their senior writer and eventually their international media so, director. So we're not talking about moving from California to Georgia or no. from Indiana to California. We're, it's a whole other country. It's it is. Not, it, 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 another it, language, another yeah. alphabet. I mean, it's, it's wild. It was so wild, it, and it was extremely scary. But that's where God wants us. He wants us out in the deep end with no floaties. <laughs> yeah. He's our floating. He's our he's our float. Right. He's our boat. He knows how to put his arms around us and say, Corey, keep stepping out and stepping out in faith. Trust me, I have an amazing life for you to make a difference in this world, but it's gonna require faith, trust, and risk. So so I I I did that. I went to Thailand and this is this is where it's coming back full circle regarding the financial collapse. I started doing all this research in in the as the media director of Destiny Rescue and I found out two leading causes of why kids end up in the sex industry. The breakdown or instability of family, I went through that. And uh poverty. And God was like, "Corey, I could not use you." to help be a voice for these kids and these families struggling, making very difficult decisions, sending their wow. kids out looking for work when you had a critical spirit because you thought you had all the answers about finances. And so I had to remove that from you. I had to let you feel the sting of it so you could truly help people instead of harm people and look judgmentally at them. So God took these bad situations, turned it around for good. Incredible good. And so not only did God fulfill the promise he made to me now 23 years ago, since I've started working for Destiny Rescue, we've rescued almost 8,000 individuals. So so explain a little bit for the audience right there. Destiny's Rescue is involved in freeing children, kids, right? As young as? 
We've rescued kids as young as 18 months old. 18 months old from the sex, sex industry, industry yep. overseas. Yep, internationally. Yep. So we currently work in 12 countries. So Destiny Rescue is an international Christian nonprofit organization that rescues children from sexual exploitation and human trafficking. And then we help kids stay free once we rescue them. In other words, we help them discover the dream in their heart and we help them make that happen. We empower them to stay free so they can live out the destiny God has for them instead of being exploited and taken advantage of by evil people. And that is God's heart. Psalm 82, 3 through 4 says this, Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the destitute and oppressed. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. That is God's heart. And looking back now, I see God using my life and my story and to be a voice for kids all over the world that are trapped and the most unthinkable of evil. And if I would have remained bitter, angry, I'd be on the sidelines doing doing nothing, just a victim, just licking my wounds, so to speak. But see, God wants to heal us. He wants to heal us and make us strong so that he can use us to make a difference in the world. What do you what do you what do you think it is that people don't allow that to happen? Is it is it just I mean it's it's work to forgive, it's work to pull yourself out of that. It's it's mind battles, it's all kinds of stuff, right? It is. Is it easier just to sit in the mire, just just sit there and and woe is me? Do you think that's what people do because it's just so much work? It's painful to, to face those problems and to pull yourself out of that and tr- really trust. And I like the word you use, risk. Really, take a risk on, on God. It's not really a risk, but we, we think it is, right? Do you think that? It feels like it for sure. I think it's easier just to sit there? Well, I, this is what I believe, Dave. We have a real enemy to our soul, the devil. The Bible says he's out to seek, kill, and destroy. But Christ came that we might have life. You see, he's out masquerading as an angel of light, deceiving people all over the world. People think it's like we bind a lot. It's just safer to sit on the sidelines. And we're we're literally wasting away. We're wasting the dreams, the talents that God's given us to make a difference in the world. And I know there's definitely seasons, right? There's, there's, There's seasons of... God hiding us to heal us and grow us. But sure. all the while, he's using you. But maybe not the, to, to the capacity that he wants to until you grow to maturity, right? right? God doesn't give us more than we can handle. He's a gracious God in that. But he wants to use you to do infinitely beyond what you can ask, think, dream of, or imagine. But that requires faith and risk. Trust. It means letting go of control. I like to say it. You need to let go of the pen of your life to let God author it. He can't <laughs> author it if you're holding on to the pen too tightly. Wow. You got to let go. And letting go is scary because we like to be in control. I, I don't. There's certain personalities that like more oh, yeah. control than us. Oh, I'm yeah. one of them. Yeah, me too. I was a control freak, but I'm learning that God can write my story better than I can. Right. That's <laughs> that's that's tough to let that go. It you know, totally when you're, when is. you're a control freak, it's very hard to say, okay, Lord, my life is in your hands. Where are you going to take me? No, don't take me there, Lord. <laughs> you know, it's it's really, it's tough, man. What a great 
story of taking negative and making it a positive. I mean, and, and God allowing God to use those things. I think uh, when we become vulnerable and allow God to say, hey, and then we become vulnerable and put our story out like you do and, and, and start telling that. The thing with destiny is rescue. Now, I'll be honest. When I was battling for a long time with this subject of uh, sex trafficking of children and and you know I, I my kids are adults and um but I, I i my sister i was talking to my sister she's a uh uh she's gonna get mad at me again S- whatever she's a professional therapist whatever uh, she's gonna get mad at me again she's gonna text me when she hears this okay but we talked about it and i i had asked her you know certain things about you know she's very big on uh advocating for children um that are abused, that are hurting, whatever it may be. Um, so I asked her, I said, hey, you know, uh, would you come on the show? She's like, man, I'm a horrible speaker. And, and she goes, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. I go, it's up your alley. And she's like, oh, I know it is up my alley. But I, so I battled with, but one of the things I battled with it with, and I told her is it's, it's a very tough subject to talk about, right? It's, it's a, it's a subject that we can talk about murder. We can talk about, um, you know, violence, we can talk about uh, just uh, a, a lot of different subjects uh, within church and especially within society. But when it comes to this, we don't want to talk about it. It's not highlighted on the news. It's not something that we bring up or we speak from the pulpit or challenge people or, or, or let people know the story because we it's it's so ugly, mm-hmm. so painful Um and so I, I battle with that. Like, how do I approach this subject? And I, I think you're a godsend because it's perfect. Like you came and, and this is what you do. But what, what, how do you deal with seeing things like that or, or hearing things like that or being in the midst of saving a child from, from that sort of thing and, and it not affecting you in, in, in a way of this overwhelming, you know, you, we yep. hear of police, we hear of, uh, of, paramedics and they they see people that are shot or are killed and 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 we think like wow but this is something like it's a kid yep it's very tough it is but just like a paramedic or a cop or military or a doctor or a pastor or or an influencer you're called to do what you're called to do god graces us to do what he's asking us to do so while it might look crazy and impossible to one person to the person that god's anointed and called to do that he's equipped them and graced them for that so you know when i saw horrible injustice going undercover that i wasn't an undercover agent but i did go undercover as the international media director and in my role now that speak speaks for our organization i i do go undercover from time to time and i've saw horrible things done to kids and women and young adults. And one one in particular, there was a 16-year-old girl. We, Our founder, Tony Kerwin, amazing man, he and I were doing some undercover work in Patea, Thailand. It's considered the sex capital city of the world. And we were sitting with a 16-year-old girl, and our founder had developed a relationship with her, like undercover. So we were developing this trust to ultimately see her rescued. 
And one of those nights, I happened to be with him, and we were sitting with her. And when her number was called, she was made to get up on the stage, and she was stripped of her dignity, and she was made to dance for all the paying customers along with all these other women. And all the other women were dancing sexy, but she was trying to cover herself up. She was so ashamed at what was happening. And she was she was so embarrassed, she couldn't even face me or our founder, um, she had to turn around in the opposite direction. And the brothel manager, this woman, was so upset, she ran over and started yelling and pointing at her right in front of us, saying, "You need basically, you need to dance sexy for all these paying customers. And you need to look like you're having fun. And it was in that moment that God quickened a, a passage of scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 58. And God is talking through his prophet, and he's saying, you... You do all these religious activities, fasting and praying and tithing, listening out all these things, but you've missed the more important things. And then he starts listing out what God cares about, and it's loosening the chains of injustice, clothing the naked. And God was like, Corey, I want my church to actively be involved in helping see kids get rescued and delivered from this great evil. And I want you to go back to America and awaken my church to this issue. And so that's what I do today. I travel around and I speak at churches. I'm on podcasts, wherever, whoever will have me to help people see that God cares deeply about this issue and he wants his church to care too. Wow. Is, is, it, is it hard to get churches to care? I mean, just to, just to be honest, I mean, is it is it tough? I mean, it's not a, like I said, it's not a popular subject. And, and I don't mean that in a in a way of like it's boring or something like that. I just mean it's a tough subject. It is a tough subject. But I think more and more churches, as they become aware of the issue, this global issue, it affects every country in all 50 states, that the church realizes it needs to do something. It can no longer put its head in the sand, pretend it doesn't exist, or pretend it's just going to go away. It's the fastest growing illegal enterprise in our world today. And there's at least 1 million children right now trapped in the commercial sex industry, crying out for help. And unless the church rises up, those kids remain trapped and there'll probably be more because the church is the salt and light of the earth. We're pushing back darkness. We're, we're the ones God's asking to liberate and bring, uh, to rescue, to bring liberation. So I think, I think more than ever, the church is hearing about it and they want to do something. A lot of them, this is, this is what I think. Dave, a lot of them want to do something they don't know what to do. That's big. They feel like they're they feel like what could I do or what could our church do to actually fight this? We can't go in and do the rescue work. We can't even do the restoration work. We don't know how. How can we do that? Well, you can partner with organizations that are on the front lines doing the work. Like it doesn't just happen. Like it happens because God somebody in God's church starts feeling the hug and the stirring of the Holy Spirit, you need to act on this. You might be a business owner. You might be an individual that um, just works at a job and you, you're playing, you're, you're, you can't do a lot, but you can do your part. Right. God never asks us to right. do more than what he's telling us. But with your little, a company with somebody else's little, and look, now all of a sudden the problem starts changing because right. you're empowering organizations that are on the front lines doing this. So you, yeah, that, that makes total sense to empower the people that God has called to do it. Yes. 
maybe we're not all called to go rescue or, or move to Thailand or do do the things like that, but there is something we can do yep. to make a difference. Yep. I think that's I think that's huge. I think that's with anything, right? That's with missionary work or uh you know, the hope and promises those guys, what they're doing. I mean it, it, it is something you can say, okay, I'm not going to this country, but I can help fund it. I can pray for them. I can support it. I can put the word out. There's a lot of things we can all do to to make a difference. Everyone's yes is different. The key is you're responding to the yes God's asking you to do. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, there was one girl we rescued. Her name was Tala. She came from a Christian family, loved God. She was the worship pastor or not, not pastor, worship leader at her church. She's, wow. She was a worship leader. She also was a Sunday school teacher. She was heavily involved in the church. And one day her father got sick and he could no longer work. And now their family started struggling to even put food on the table. It was becoming worse and worse to the point they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. And Tala said, I'll go out and help find work for our family. That's usually the the MO, right? Yep. I mean, that's what 15-year-old right? Tala went out looking for work. And this restaurant, quote-unquote, said you can come work for – serve food and drinks to customers. She had no clue the hell she was about to endure. And it ended up being a brothel. And she was in there for four months and made to do horrible things with paying customers. And she began to cry out to God, God, send an angel, do something. Help me. Help. I need help. I'm your child. One of our rescue agents went into that bar undercover and he happened to sit with this girl she was 15 or 16. I, th- I think she was 15 or 16. And one thing that he always likes doing, he, he was a drummer. Our rescue agent, he was a drummer in a band. And so he always likes to ask the girls that he says, what, sit with, what kind of music are you into? And she said, I'm into church music. He's like, what? Like wow. it, it sparked his interest. He's like, what do you mean? Tell me more. And she began to share the devastating story of what happened to her father and how she went out risking it all to help her family survive financially. And she found herself in this horrible place and she was crying out to God to send an angel. And he knew he had to break his cover at that point. And he said, I'm the answer to your prayer. I'm that angel you've been praying for. I work for, I work with an incredible organization um, that can help you get out of this mess and put your life back on track. We were able to rescue her, and um, today she's back leading worship at our church. She's teaching Sunday school. She works for a call center, and she's getting a college education today. Wow. You know why that's possible? Because of the church. Because you who's listening, someone just like you felt God stirring. I need to be part of making a difference in kids' lives, and they helped fund the work that makes that possible. None of it happens without God's people stepping up and saying, I want to play my part. Yeah. No matter how big or small, I'm willing to sacrifice to see justice for kids around the world. That's wild, man. Let me ask you this. So, without giving up your guys' whole program, but how does it start? I mean, how does it, how does, how do you decide on the kid or, 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 and what are some of the steps that you, you guys take in, in 
rescuing somebody? Absolutely. That's a great question. So we're currently in nine countries where we do rescue and reintegration work. Three countries where we do fundraising and awareness. Australia, the United States, and New Zealand are our fundraising nations. We're, we're throughout Asia and uh, we're in Africa. We're in the Dominican Republic and we're, we're in other places, undisclosed places I'm not going to mention. But we have agents, specialized trained agents that um, go undercover identifying children trapped in the commercial sex industry. And it's got to be dangerous. It is. It's very dangerous. So we actually have agreements with at least four or five countries that we're in. I think five countries that we're in currently that have an agreement with their government and their top law enforcement agencies to do coordinated raids right along with law enforcement. So we we will we'll gather the needed intel. So that might look like we infiltrate a chat room online and we find out that they're buying and selling children. And so we might be a fly on the wall or they might pose as a customer. Um, whatever's needed to gather the needed info information to ultimately bring prosecution against these traffickers and pedophiles that are exploiting children. And then we will work with law enforcement to do a coordinated raid. This year we've had, we have had over 70 successful raids in many of the countries that we work in around the country. So one type of rescue that we do is raid work. And we've had over a hundred, I think, uh, I think we've had over a hundred traffickers arrested this year. Cause it, is it outlawed in every one of those countries you it work is. in? Okay. Uh, the, uh, Children in the sex industry is an it's illegal internationally. Okay. All in in every country, it's it's illegal. Um, so we one thing that we do is we but do it's corners. more it's some some of these countries it's accepted though right. So so in many countries, even though like let's say for example Thailand, all prostitution is illegal in Thailand, but they really don't put their arms or hands up in the air unless a minor is trapped in the sex okay. industry. Okay. Then they start. That's a, that's a big red flag for us, and we're willing to step in and do something. Other than that, they don't step in, and um, it, it makes it challenging. Uh, but we work with amazing law enforcement in Thailand. They're, they're combating this issue, and we're grateful. So, um, But in whatever country we're in, there's, there's challenges. Um, we also do what we call covert rescues. So a covert rescue is where you pose as a customer, and you're gathering the needed intel ultimately to build trust with a minor. So you might see what looks like a minor and you call her to sit with you. And you can't just be in there. You have to spend money while you're in these places. And the goal is to build trust with that child, ultimately to offer her, say, we can get you out of this situation and offer you a way out. And so we call that a covert rescue. Then on the Nepali-Indian border, it's an open border meaning Nepalese or Indians don't need a passport or any documentation to cross that border. They can just walk across freely. There's over 25,000, roughly 25 to 30,000 traffic victims across that border every wait, year. Wait, 25,000? to 30,000 traffic victims, and many of them are children. So traffickers are luring false promises of jobs or marriage to children. They're meeting them on Facebook promise like you know building they're grooming them right or they might meet them in their village at let's say a community fair and they see them dancing and say 
I can help you get work in a neighboring country. You can be a dancer and make this much money and double your family's income. So we, we can, we're helping stop those. So we have 15 border crossing stations on the Nepali Indian border and we've rescued hundreds and hundreds of children there this year. And, 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 I assume that you guys are so trained that you you, you can spot it. From, so so all of our away. rescue agents on that work a border crossing station are women, and they know what they're looking for. They have so they have Sixth we have sense, an, women, we have you know? we have an agreement with the Nepali government to stop any vehicle. So our agents have badges and uniforms. Wow, they can stop any vehicle, any group of people, or any individual. If anyone resists, they're immediately arrested. And so they can go onto a bus. Let's say the bus wants to go across. It's packed full of 60 people, let's say. That bus has to sit there until they feel confident no one on that bus is trafficked. Wow. So they can take people off the bus, bring them into a room, separate parties, and start asking them all, do their stories match? They'll call their, their parents. They say, well, I don't have parents. They get on their phone and find mom or dad. They call them. <sighs> 100% of those that we rescue on that border are asked to lie to the border station, the border agents. How They're many grooming of, them. How many of those are were, were basically their parents gave them up so, you know, and said, yep, we need money? It's, it's, it's rare. What happens is, see, the trafficker will say, don't tell your parents. Oh. This is between us. They don't need to. They're going to steal your dream. You See, what you're doing is you're going to help them. So if you tell them and they don't like it, then you can't help them. So let this just between us. They are master yeah, we're manipulators. About con men. Total con men and women. Kids. Con men and women conning children. Yeah. Like or promising them marriage. So like in, Vulnerable. in Nepal, in Nepal, where a family name is a big thing and being able to be secure financially by marrying somebody. They buy into this person loves me, wants to spend his life with me. He's already married, has multiple kids. He's taking her across the border to sell her into a brothel. And so we're rescuing those kids. So we call that a border crossing station, a border rescue. And um, so we do that. And then we do what we call interventional rescues, where it could be a child arranged marriages, that their parents arranged a marriage and that the, the quote unquote husband is abusing the child. Um, she's Ugh. basically a sex slave or... How young can they arrange that? Um, that's a great question. I don't know the youngest we've rescued. Uh, it's, uh, I th I think maybe 13 or 14. Don't quote me on that. But it's it's in, it's in the teens. It's, you're wild. in your teens. Um, and so we'll rescue them. It could be like where it's not a, a traditional trafficking case. So there needs to be a monetary exchange for trafficking. So when it's not, like it's more just sexual exploitation, right. we'll step in and rescue that child and, and help them rescue. And so, and then in some cases, we do what we call a survival rescue. So we don't have to go undercover in these situations. Many times these children, let's say in Uganda, they're on the street, their parents have died in a war or through AIDS or COVID. Now they're on the streets surviving themselves. And they're not they're not wow. just making money. It's to get their next meal or a place to stay. Otherwise, they get beat up on the streets or they get sexually abused on the streets. So they have to, quote unquote, sell their bodies to do that. No one's helping them. 
And so we're rescuing those kids and giving them their life back. And so after rescue, this, this is a great question. So what happens after rescue? So after rescue, we have safe homes and what we call community care programs. And so in some cases, the parents did not knowingly sell their children or sell their children at all. They, they, they were tricked or lied to and we rescued that child. So in the best case scenario, if the parents did not knowingly sell them, we want to reunite them back with their family and provide a solution, keeping the family together. They want to return to mom and dad. They don't want to come into a safe home that's foreign. They don't know what's happening. Right. They want to go back there. And so if we can provide a solution, providing benefits like counseling, education, vocational training, we might upskill a parent in a vocation or trade, yeah. find job placement, a micro loan. We develop what we call a path to freedom for that child and her family so that they can stay free long term. And so when a child can be reunited back with her family, we call that community care. If that's an unsafe option, we have safe homes or we may refer them to a like-minded organization if that's a better fit for them. And so we absolutely care about what happens to children after they get rescued. Because if you don't understand what got them into that place to begin with and you don't eliminate those risk factors and that vulnerability, they'll end up right back in that situation. So it's holistic rescue. And so currently we have about 1,100 children as active beneficiaries in our care right now. Man, that's wild, man. No, the kids that stay in that industry, there's got to be a point in time where they're used and abused and they're they're no good to that industry, Mm -hmm. right? I mean... is that still a young age? Is it is it mid twenties or whatever? I mean, yeah. By the time you're third, you're thirty. You're you're a has the a has been right, and you can see like I, I've been in places where yeah, the men are not looking for them. They're they're like washed up, so to speak. Not that they don't, but they're not getting as many customers. They want kids. Kids are younger looking. Yeah. Not necessarily, not always kids. Not everyone is out there looking for a kid, but there are lots of them right. looking for that. Now, now, I know we talked about this on the, the phone. It's a spirit of perversion. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the people that benefit in those foreign countries from these children come from America, right? There are Americans going to these places, but it's also locals. It's also locals. It's a big. It's as big a problem amongst locals as it is amongst Westerners and tourists visiting places. And so you just have to know where to look. Like so, for example, if there's a tourist area, locals aren't going to those places. They're generally more expensive. So it might tip off a brothel or a a, a beer garden or a KTV bar, a karaoke bar, um, and that's it. That seems off. That looks like that's probably a police officer. So we're not going to have minors available this night. Oh. So they, they get suspicious. So, um, so but there, it, it just depends. Like local, it's a mass. It's just a massive problem in our world, and it shows the depravity of man, the sinfulness of man, and what can happen when you let your flesh dominate you. Right, because nobody. Searches out kids, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah, let's just go do this. It, it gets to that point, right, where where you're 
perversion and yep. sin and lust and wickedness just begin to erode away and finally you get to that point of of wanting to be with children is is it is it all perversion is it these these people are 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 abused themselves it can be like that's that's a big thing like abused people can um go down that same dark path um others uh i, I would say pornography is feeding this industry in a massive way and technology because you have at your disposal on your smartphones, there's so much available to you in the secret of your own home or at school or over at a friend's house that you're being exposed to things that you didn't have the opportunity to be exposed to in the, right. in the we kind were, of capacity. When we were kids, yeah, we didn't sure have, like you growing yeah. up in a Christian home, yep. hey, no cable. Yep. We're, we're, we're not doing that. We didn't yep. have the computer in the room. Yep. We didn't have Netflix. Yeah, in the there room. weren't computers. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have none of that. Really and, and, and now the, the the generation, I would say, for the last 10 years has grown up with everything at Tablets. their disposal. Yeah, it is. And so, you know, if you're a parent or I, I would encourage you, it's not it's not if children will be exposed to pornography, it's when and helping them understand the dangers of it. Um the the addictiveness of it and there's a lot of studies out about pornography these days that want when you look at something visually it, it releases like dopamine and and all these chemicals in your brain and you get almost like a high um but when you look at that same image again in the future you don't get the same high and so you need more of something different and eventually people start getting more violent, more deviant, and then eventually they start acting it out. And that's not everybody, but a lot of people. That It's feeding this industry. Right. And a lot of pornography today is a trafficked person being exploited. You might look on there and it looks like they're having fun. It's because they're made to do that. Mm -hmm. And they're selling that stuff online in the dark market, on the dark web or the black market or on we certain websites. We rescue kids that they were being filmed to do horrible things to paying customers. We, we actually rescued a two-and-a-half-year-old boy, a two-year-old, two-year-old. His stepfather was filming him doing sex acts with him to paying customers online. And we, we there was a man, a pedophile in Great Britain that had images of this boy on his phone that the law enforcement there contacted the Philippines and the Philippines law enforcement said, Destiny Rescue, we need your help to entrap this guy. And so we were able to earn his trust and do a meetup where he was going to do a live in-person show. And we were able to have him arrested along with the, his biological mother. And we saved that boy's life. Is, was that perversion or was that money? Oh, yeah. It was, right? it, Just... it. It, it was all of it. It was all of it. It was everything. Because here, here's the sad thing. There's there's demand for that. That means yeah. there's people that are willing to pay for that kind of deviant sin. And see, that's what sin the, is. The, sin, the lowest of the low. Sin, sin blinds. Sin is all about the moment, the quick gratification. But what it doesn't tell you is that it's going to sting you later. The enemy loves luring you, but doesn't tell you the the painful consequences of your choices later. And a lot of, 
a lot of sad things happen because of that. And so God wants to liberate people. I have a heart that people would be set free from sexual addictions and brokenness so that you can, instead of using your body and your mind and your resources to destroy people, you can use it to help people. And so I like to encourage people, draw a line in the sand. There's grace at the foot of the cross. But I believe that God wants to warn people, don't continue going yeah. down that road. Go ask for his help. He wants to meet you in your valley, but he wants to pull you out of it victoriously so that you can begin helping liberate people instead of be part of the problem. That's awesome, man. Let me ask you this, Corey. As parents out there, maybe they're listening to this, and I, I know you mostly deal in foreign countries, but I, I'm pretty sure that wicked evil spirits is the same. What do parents need to look out for these days? I mean, because it's everywhere. Um, it's so scary sometimes. You know, when I was, when the kids were younger, you know, who's this? Or who is that? Or why are they paying attention to my kid? What are things that we as parents or parents that are my listeners to look out for just to help protect their kids? Amen. I think that's a great question. So number one, you need to be up on social media. You need to pay attention on what your apps are on your kids' phones. That is unbelievable. I, my, my sister, one of my sisters, her 13-year-old daughter, she find, they finally, when she turned 13, she was allowed to have Instagram. But with all the right safety features and all of that on it, and they trained her what to look out for, be careful, don't just accept friends, um, and then they had all the, the safety things. As soon as she got on her, her Instagram page, a 55-year-old man broke through and private DM'd her and start, tried to build trust and start grooming her. But she said, Mom, look at this. Like, what is this, this, old, this older man? And so she had the wherewithal because her parents talked to her about it the dangers of that. See, but if you are a broken child and are looking for acceptance, love, you don't feel like you're vulnerable. And so, uh, so number one, know what apps you're, it's not enough to just know that they're on TikTok. How does it work? You got to help because kids think they know everything, right? They think they're in the know, they know, and they know how to outsmart most of their parents when it comes to technology on their phone. Like that's why you need to be up on stuff, right? Because all it takes is somebody willing to groom them. Um, like big, these are big things. These is, is sexting amongst teenagers, right? Like showing inappropriate images, and but what they do then is they can create a fake account, yeah. Pretend to be a minor, and it's an adult, and then they say, "I have all these images. I'll destroy you." To your family, if you don't do exactly what I say, send me more images or meet me wow. here. And then they can start selling them. So, I mean, and then as a vulnerable child, you believe everything they're saying. You don't know that you can have the courage to go to your parents and say this and, and cut it off. Hey, I made a mistake. Sure. You know, so kids are impressionable. They're naive. Know what your kids are doing. Maintain relationship with your child. Don't burn that bridge because when that happens, they start looking for influence other places. And so 
earn that, build that trust with them. Help them understand that no matter what they've done or said, they can come to you and talk to you about what's going on in their life. And, um, and that doesn't mean, parent, you don't tell them the truth and love. But build the bridge. Don't destroy it. Don't burn the bridge. Because if in a critical time they need to come to you to talk to you or somebody's safe where they can get help and learn how to navigate these things, there's predators out there. There's people that are willing to groom and take advantage of your child, of your grandchild, of your niece or your nephew. Be careful. Right. Right. I think that's huge. Is there a certain age uh, or it's just when it subject comes up? I mean, it's a hard subject for parents to have. It's probably even harder than to have, you know, the, the, the sex talk, you know, but it's one of those things where uh, – you don't want to freak out your kids, no. but you want to warn them, you know, and it's, it's, it's struggle between a lot, with a lot of parents to say, okay, at, at what age, I don't want to scare him, but I need to make sure he's aware or she's aware of what's going on. I think there's, there's age appropriate terminology that you can use. Hey, 10 year old, there might be people that pretend to be one of your peers. If something seems off, Pay attention to that and tell mom and dad. Yeah. If somebody sends you inappropriate images with their clothes off or they're telling you to do something inappropriate, tell mom and dad. Right. You know, there's there's age appropriate. Sure. But see, if you're not going to talk to them about it, if the church isn't going to talk to them about it, where are they going to get that information? The world. Their school. That is, it's going to be all diluted. It is all diluted. And like... The world's confused. Yeah. The world is confused. We need to be stand on the trustworthiness and truth of God's word that is timeless and it can stand the test of time and critics. And when you live by the principles of God's word, Jesus says this, when the storms came and beat against this house, it was on a firm foundation, the rock. Right. So when the storms came, you were still left standing. Yeah. <laughs> like you amen like you amen i'm still standing i feel it's by the grace of god it wasn't a perfect road so for all of you out there if you thought this was a per- it was not i'm here today by god's grace and the beautiful thing with god is if you fall down you can get back up again the bible says in proverbs a righteous man falls seven times but he gets up the key right. is understanding that in christ you're righteous you're forgiven you can get back up. You can fulfill your purpose if you just don't quit. Galatians 6, 9 says this, Do not grow weary in well-doing, for at the appointed time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Yeah, don't give up. That's, don't give up. That's huge. One last thing, and this is for the viewers out there, maybe they're not believers. And I, and I think this was a great point because you, you told me this on the phone. Um, the organization, Destiny Rescue, it's not a requirement for these children to, to, to come into the organization or, or to be rescued and then to give their life to Christ. Your organizations, of course, that, that, that is our calling to tell people about Jesus. But it's not a requirement where, hey, you gotta, you, you're going to have to become a Christian in order to receive this. You guys do it no matter what. Absolutely. We, our heart is to extend the love of God to all people, regardless of your religion 
your sexual preference. We want to get you out of this horrible situation and give you a chance to live out an incredible life. And, you know, obviously we believe that Jesus is the answer. We will provide that opportunity if it presents itself, but in no way do we ever force them to go to church, to be part of Bible study, or to give their life to Christ. It's a personal choice they have. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's huge because not, not for me as a believer, but I think for the non-believer out there, they think, well, this organization is just for converting these kids into Christians. Well, yeah, but if they don't want to, it's not force. It's not you know mandatory. We're not forcing them. You got to go to church now and serve God and read your Bible. It's you guys literally want to help everybody and anybody that's trapped in this sex trafficking thing. Absolutely, and you know we work in countries all over the world where uh, Christianity is by far a minority religion. Right. I mean, we true. We, we work in that. Buddhist countries, uh, Hindu India, countries, yeah. Muslim countries, um, countries where they don't believe in God. God's dead, and so you know, regardless of what people believe. And they're in this horrific environment. We want to rescue them because we believe in the dignity of life. We believe everybody has and uh, deserves freedom from sexual abuse and exploitation. And we want to help people, children, stay free, especially children, be able to live out their purpose free of sexual abuse and wow. exploitation. Great story, man. Thank you. Thank what you. What a great story. I, I, I appreciate it. And, and I, I I love the way you broke it down. I love the way that you told the story. I love that. I love stories that's, that a person speaks from the view of, I've been there. I know how it feels. Um, it just makes the story just a little bit more powerful because it's like, what are you going to tell this guy? You know, you can't tell this guy he didn't. He didn't feel what some of those kids felt or he didn't go through hardship or challenges. I mean, you were there. You felt those things. You have a a, a, a grace uh, that a lot of us don't have for those kids. And I, I think uh, it's a powerful thing, man. Thank you, Dave. It is an honor to be on your show. You know, people want to learn a little bit more about our organization. Yeah. It's destinyrescue.org. They, there's a lot of great resources there. We have documentaries on our website. If you want to learn how to engage this fight yeah. with us, there's opportunities for you to learn about that there as well. So. Awesome. Check out Destiny's Rescue. Check out Corey Nichols Ministries. I mean, uh, really, really doing the heavy lifting for a lot, for a lot of us, man. And, and and But, hey, we we can all help out a little bit. But you guys are really doing it, man, out there, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Dave. Well, I, I I appreciate you allowing us on your podcast and the influence that you have to your audience. We just, I consider it a huge honor. Anytime I get to speak about this issue and even some of my own personal story, I think there's a lot of people out there that are experience a lot of pain. Yeah. And if you can encourage and inspire them that th their story's not over, right? It's just beginning. And that if you'll put your, your your life in God's hands, he can write incredible chapters. Right. Amazing chapters are in front of people. And you know, when, when people ask me, you know, at work, in the street, so what's your podcast about? It's, it's exactly what you said. It's the story of coming up. It's the story of overcoming. Mm -hmm. It's a story of continuing to fight through a, a, a tragedy, a tribulation, a trial, a hardship, um, 
it's the story of coming up. That's what I tell people. It's it's overcoming. And, and so all my guests, some way, some form, somehow, they just uh, they overcame something and, and, and made the best of it, you know. And so and you're one of them. So we got one last thing before you go. And it's 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 my go to thing here. We have a thing called the Furious Five. And we ask you five furious questions. And we just want you to give a good answer. So it's it's kind of fun. It's a good time. So I wrote them out today for you. I typed them out today. Let's you, do it. First one. Who is a person you look up to the most? One of them for me definitely is Joyce Meyer. Joyce she, Meyer. She had been sexually abused, and now she's touching the world with her ministry. Nice. Nice. Question number two on the Street Gospel Furious Five. At the end of your life, if your friends and family could describe you with one word, what would that word be? Wow. Devoted. Devoted. That's a good one. I like that. Nice. Little fun one here. Question number three on the Furious Five. Tacos or cheeseburgers? Tacos. <laughs> Tacos. I haven't got one person that said cheeseburgers yet. I've, I've asked this question to maybe like six or seven guests, and it's usually always tacos. It's funny. Question number four on the Street Gospel, Furious Five for Corey Nichols. Biggest pet peeve? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, biggest pet peeve. Someone chewing chips or something. Like... Where there's no music or anything in the back, and you just hear the chewing, <laughs> the I, chomping. I, I can hear my dad now. Eat with your mouth closed. And I'm the biggest culprit. I totally do it. <laughs> biggest pet peeve. That's a good one. Last question for you on the Street Gospel Furious Five. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I would say continue to trust God in the midst of unbelievable odds. Wow. Like I would tell my younger self, trust God. Trust God. Like He's trustworthy. He's faithful. You don't have to figure it out. What he said he will do, he will do. That's awesome. And man. you don't have to stress out. You don't have to live. You know, we just live so stressed. Yeah. And like, is this really going to happen? Is this really? And he has it all figured out. So and good, I lost man. all this sleep for nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what happens, right? You look back <laughs> on it and you're like, why was I worrying about it in the first place? Hey, man. Appreciate you coming out, Corey Nichols. Oh, it was amazing, Dave. Thank you. I love your show. And Thank you. I, what a, I'm a guest. That's amazing. You're a guest on the Street Gospel Podcast. It's, it's, it's in the books. It's, it's, it's in it for life. You're in the chronicles of the Street Gospel Podcast. I love it. Check out Corey Nichols. Uh, check out destinyrescue.org uh, doing the heavy lifting like I said doing the good work uh, thank you guys for checking us out once again please please share the podcast subscribe to the podcast uh, whatever you can follow the podcast we appreciate it we out